Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right. Well, hey, good morning. Glad you are here. So heaven, right? Here's a question. Do you, do you look forward to heaven? Do you, uh, do you maybe kind of fear heaven because you don't really know what to expect or think about it? Um, do you refuse to believe in heaven? And, and, and maybe you don't even really know what to think, right? Like, what is your view toward heaven when you, when you think about uh, all that that entails? Well, as you're kind of considering that, I do want to welcome uh, everybody here to Lighthouse Community. My name is Fritz Bilo. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, just a big shout out and welcome to everybody here in the house, especially our guests. want to say good morning and welcome to Lighthouse Online, uh, Bluffton Community, and then uh, the Fosteria Launch Team, which uh, they're going to be actually joining us today during the 11-11, so we're pretty excited about that, but we're glad uh, everybody is here with us this morning. But today what I want to do is I'd like to show you three truths from the Bible about heaven that I think are going to give you a clearer picture of how God describes heaven and what you and I can expect. And then I also just want to show one step of faith that we can take today that I think will transform the way that you look at your everyday living. Now, uh, for me, I didn't say yes to Jesus as my forgiven leader until I was in my late teens. Um, And very quickly, the Holy Spirit began to transform my life. The things that uh, I used to do that were in opposition to God and his character, uh, the Holy Spirit was transforming me and, and very quickly just moving into alignment with him. And I was not the same guy after meeting Jesus uh, that I was before I met Jesus. And, and even though my life was changing, there was still so many things that I just didn't know about God, right? I was uneducated in a lot of truth about Scripture because um, I just hadn't had a chance to read it yet, and I was still growing and understanding that. And one of the areas of truth that I was really uneducated about was heaven, right? And so one day, I, I, I don't remember what drew me there, but I remember just thinking a lot about heaven on this day. And the only thing that I had for the foundation of thinking about heaven was like what I had seen in the movies or on cartoons and things like that. By the way, not a reliable source of good theology. If you're thinking about like, you know, truth, uh, don't turn to cartoons uh, (laughs) and movies and things like that. But when I thought about heaven, what I mainly thought about were things like uh, like robes and, and halos and angel wings, and, and harps, right? Like this, this is mainly what I thought about. And I imagined heaven was going to be me uh, like bouncing from cloud to cloud for the rest of my existence. And everybody in heaven had really good manners, right? It's like, excuse me, thank you. Oh, didn't see you there. Uh, you know, like all of that was going on. And, and just singing songs to God all day, right? Like that's all we would do. And just to be very honest with you, uh, I was afraid to go to heaven. <laughs> it sounded really boring, right? Like, I just did not. I was not. And so I figured I'm in this problem, right? Like, I figured I'm the only Christian who loves Jesus, but I don't want to go be where he's at for the rest of eternity, right? It's like, I'm, I've got a problem here. And so I thought something was wrong with me, right, as a believer. Something's just wrong with me. 
So then over time, I, I started to study what the Bible had to say about heaven, and I found all of these different passages in the scriptures, and I began to learn what Christians had understood about those Bible verses uh, over the, the years, the centuries even, and I, I began to learn from them as well. And so as I studied about heaven, I came to the place where like, I'm not afraid to go to heaven anymore, right? That's not something that scares me or sounds boring. Actually, in a lot of ways, I can't wait, right? Like, I'm looking forward to heaven now that I know what it is. And so my hope is that today, the more you learn about heaven and what the Bible has to say, that the Holy Spirit's going to well up that joy within you as well when you think about eternity. Now, before we get into our passage, what I want to do just very quickly is I want to share a couple of quick facts about heaven that that I really think every believer, just every person should know and understand about heaven. Um, I can't unpack all of these, but I just wanted to list out a few for you just very quickly so you're aware of them. So, so here's a quick fact about heaven. Heaven is a real place, okay? It's not like this state of consciousness. It's, it's real, right? It's a real place and location. Here's another quick fact. In heaven, we're going to have physical bodies, okay? So let me tell you this. No, we do not turn into angels uh, when we get to heaven. We're not spirits who float around. What we'll have is we'll have new physical bodies uh, in heaven. Here's another quick fact. Heaven is eternal. It will never end, right? It will never end because it's eternal. And then here's the last quick fact I want to share with you. Heaven is incredibly diverse, incredibly diverse. When you read the passages of scripture that describe it, it says things like this, that every tribe, every tongue, every nation, right, from peoples all over the world are going to be there. So it's not like this, you know, return to some idyllic 1950s, you know, everybody's in their nuclear home and family or whatever. Uh, This is something that is uh, absolutely amazing and beautiful. And so those are just a couple of quick facts I wanted to put in our minds uh, as we prepare to talk a little bit more about what uh, the Bible has to say about heaven from our passage today. So if you did bring a Bible with you, I want to invite you to open up to the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Uh, It's about in the middle. It's it's after the Psalms, but you're going to go to chapter 65, Isaiah 65. You can click over there on your device. And today we're actually in the last day of our series called God of the Promise. And what we've been doing is we looked at some select passages from the book of Isaiah, and we have been discovering the character of God. We've been looking at some of the promises that he has made and fulfilled, right? And we've looked at some that are still yet to be fulfilled and completed, and we're looking forward to those as well. And the reason that we have done that is because when you see that God can be trusted, what will happen is you'll start to trust him which is the way we're designed to live, right? We're designed to put our trust in God for everything. So I'm going to read from Isaiah 65 um, from the English Standard Version. I'm going to start in verse uh, verse 17. Uh, That's what's going to be on the screen, but you can follow along in the version that you brought with you today. It says this. This is God speaking, by the way. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. 
But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old. Hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For all the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain. Or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Okay. Now there, there is quite a bit here, and I want to work through just a couple of truths. And here's the first one. The first truth that's really clear out of this passage is that God is the one who creates the new heavens and the new earth. Okay. God is the one who creates the new heavens and the new earth. If you look at verses 17 and 18, you'll see that three times in just a couple of verses, God says, I create, I create, I Create, okay? So what's happening here is this is the same creator God from Genesis chapter 1, okay? This is still him, right? This is the same creator God who spoke material things into existence. This is the same creator God who formed mankind out of the dust of the earth and breathed his life into us. God is a creator. That's who he is. So of course he's the one who creates the new heavens and the new earth because that's who he is. Now, I want to let you in on just a little tip when you're reading these verses, okay? Here's the tip. God is the primary subject of these verses. You need to know that. God is the primary subject of these verses. In fact, God is the primary subject in the entire book of Isaiah. He's the point. Uh, if you want to go a step further, in fact, God is the primary subject in all of the Bible, right? Like, he's the star. He's the centerpiece. He's the one that we're all looking at and looking to, right? And so God creates the new heavens and the new earth. And what that means is this, we do not create the new heavens and the new earth, okay? And maybe you're going, duh, <laughs> like, I get that. Uh, but here's why I make that point. It is not our role to create a society or a world in our own image, okay? See, now, now you know why I said that, because now we're pushing up against things. You're going, well, I, I never, 
You know, like, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's actually, you know, our primary mission is not to correct all the wrongs of the world with better legislation and better candidates and more effective rules. Did you know that's actually not our primary mission as followers of Jesus Christ? See, now some of you guys are upset with me. <laughs> right? You were like, I was fine when we were talking theoretical. You just showed up in my living room, and I'm not happy about it, okay? Now, listen, I'm not saying that we should just sit by on the couch like lumps as the world spins into chaos. That, that is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this, that as followers of Jesus Christ, our most urgent and our most pressing mission that we will ever have in this world is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. And that trumps absolutely everything else that we'll do. That's the most urgent and pressing thing any one of us will ever do with our lives. It's to share the good news that there is forgiveness through Jesus. There is new life through Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within every single person who truly believes, right? Because then, guess what? It's the Holy Spirit who creates a new heart in the lives of people who say yes to Jesus Christ, right? We don't create new hearts in people. We don't subdue people into our versions of what we think the world should be. It's the Holy Spirit who leads. Why? Because God is the one who creates. We don't. He's the creator. And so that's the first truth. Uh, now, some of you guys have maybe already gotten off the train, but if you'd like to continue uh, into the second truth, here's the second one. Uh, the new heavens and the new earth are unlike the old heavens and the old earth, okay? So in verses 19 through 23, and then also in verse 25, God really contrasts the old against the new. And, and he says things like this. He says, the old creation is marked by things like this. It's marked by weeping. It's marked by distress. It's marked by infants dying, young people dying, theft. You've got like raiding parties going on. Children and families are doomed. And so what God is saying is you've got this creation we're in now is like clearly and even permanently marked by the effects of sin uh, here in this world and, and disobedience to God, okay? That's the, current, that's the old heavens and the old earth, the current one that we're living in right now. But then look at the way that God describes the new heavens and the new earth, this new creation. He says this. He says, this is a place of life, right? This is a place of life. This is where, like, people work... And they get to enjoy the results of their labor because it never gets passed on to someone else as an inheritance because you died. Nobody comes in and raids your, your, what you've done and steals it away from you. Things like theft are gone. Uh, this is a place that's marked by joy, that's marked by gladness. There's overwhelming unity and peace that's here. And in the process, what God does is he challenges our imaginations, right? In some of the past, he says, listen, hey, imagine this, wolves and lambs out pasturing in the same field together. Can you imagine that? Hey, get this in your mind. There's going to be hay-eating lions, Okay, like they're going to be chewing on cud, right? Like that's what, that's what, like, so God, like, can you even imagine that? This, this is a total transformation of the world that we know. And God is putting this portrait in front, in front of us. And 
I just, I struggle. I struggle to wrap my head around the fact that that's going to be a reality because it's so different than the world I live in, isn't it? Isn't it really different from the world you live in and trying to be able to imagine that? So I struggle to, to get my head around the fact that all of my pain is going to be gone one day, right? And I'm not just talking about like the joints and the aches. I'm talking about like the pain from my parents' divorce, I'm talking about the pain of personal rejection that I face. I'm talking about the pain of the alcoholism that ran in my family, right? You, like, you are not going to face your fears anymore because they're not going to be there. Your insecurities, gone. The pain, right? The challenge, right? Gone. This, the new heavens and the new earth are so unlike the old that, in fact, God says that the old won't even be remembered. It won't even come to mind because we're swallowed up in joy and gladness because God is going to totally create a new heavens and a new earth that's unlike the old. Here's the last truth. In the new heavens and the new earth, God is our sole provider. In the new heavens and the new earth, God is is our sole provider. Look at verse 24. Okay, it says this. Actually, let's do this. Let's read this, just a a portion of the verse here, but let's read this out together, starting with before they. Are you ready? Go. Before they call, before they call, before they call, I will answer. God is going to provide for you in such a way that before you even like get a chance to express your need, he's met it. He's taking care of it for you. He, I imagine there's going to be days where God meets needs you didn't even realize you had. You go, oh, wow, I didn't even know that, right? By the way, this has been the way God's always wanted it. Did you know that? This is the way God's always wanted it. When, when you look back at like the Old Testament book of Exodus, when God had planned to free the nation of Israel from slavery, right? he like gets Moses in the huddle, and he says, listen, uh, he says things like this, I, I'm the Lord, I'm going to be the one who brings you out. I'm going to be the one who delivers you. I'm going to be the one that brings you into a promised land. I'm going to be the one who provides for you. In every single situation, I am the Lord. Right? This is what he communicates to Moses and Israel on the front end. Now, that's the Old Testament book of Exodus. But then if you jump forward to the last book in the Bible, right, the New Testament book of Revelation, which is a picture of some things that are still to come, when you get to chapter 21 and you read a couple of the first verses, you see God saying things like, or you see pictures like this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be as their God, right? Like this, this has always been the goal of God, that we would be his people and he would be our God and we would rely on him for absolutely everything. That's always been the plan. Now, this right here is one of the reasons that our sin 
is so hurtful and so offensive to God. This, this truth right here about God being our sole provider. Because here's what sin is. Instead of relying on him, I turn to someone else or I turn to something else to provide for me. When God says, I have absolutely everything you need and you could ever hope for, why would you go to a counterfeit? Why would you go to somebody who can't actually meet your need? And so this, this is another reason, by the way, why we know that Jesus is God. Because when you read through the Gospels and the New Testament, you see things like this, that Jesus provided all the, right, the righteousness that we needed for a healthy relationship with God. We read that Jesus provided the final and ultimate sacrifice for all sin by his death on the cross. We see that Jesus has provided complete and total victory through his resurrection out of the grave. That Jesus has provided all of it. And who, what does God want to be for us? Our sole provider. And Jesus has done all of that, right? He's provided all of that. And so our job, you know what our job is to do in response to all of that? It's to believe and it's to trust him, and it's to turn to him for absolutely everything we need, right? That's what Jesus, Jesus provides it all. We receive it, and we turn to him. And so for those who choose to trust Jesus in this life, what happens is heaven is your reward. That's, that's the rest of existence, being with God and relying on him for all the rest of your time. It's actually not you bebopping, going off, doing whatever you want without anybody, you know, no need. I don't need anything anymore. I'm in heaven. No, it's this place of ultimate dependence on God. It's actually what he's drawing us to. So God's going to be the one who creates it. It's totally unlike the old new heavens and the earth, and God is going to be our sole provider. What do we do with all of that truth, right? Really solid, profound truth out of Isaiah 65. What do we do with that? Well, we do what Isaiah 65 is inviting us to do. It's one of the things you begin to read through the passages. Essentially, when it's not explicitly there in the verses. It's, it's really implied in there, but it's this. You know what God's doing? He's saying, look forward. Look forward. Look forward to the new heavens and the new earth. Because what God has done in Isaiah 65, as well as other places in the scripture, is he's painted a portrait of what the new heavens and the new earth is going to look like. And he did that so that we would look forward to it and we would even meditate on it. Right? The apostle Peter actually invites us in his letter, his second letter, to do the same thing that Isaiah is inviting us to do as well. Right? Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. This is what it says. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And so Peter is saying the exact same thing Isaiah was saying, look forward to the new heavens and the, to the new earth. And so the question that very quickly gets begged and raised up out of that, it's like, well, how do you do that? How do you look forward to the new heavens and the new earth? Well, I have a question. Have, have, how many, just quick raise hand, we'll do an uh, informal survey. Uh, how many have like gone to a, an art museum and looked at a painting? Like just put your hand up. Okay, I'm putting mine down because I'm not, I, yeah. 
I like the the most refined I get is looking at the 3D posters that people hang in their bathrooms. Remember those back in the 90s? And like you looked at it, and you're like, I don't, you know, like, oh, it's a T-Rex holding a rocket launcher, right? It's like, oh, it's like, I don't, I don't, yeah, okay, yeah, right? That's about as classy as I get. Um, but so so looking forward to to heaven is a lot like what I'm told uh, looking at paintings, like really nice paintings uh, in a museum or art in a museum, looking at. And so when, what I'm told is when you're looking at a painting, what you do is you, you look at a painting and then you think about it, right? And then you look at the painting again and some more and you, and you start to notice some fresh details that you didn't see the first time that you looked at it. And then you look at it again and you begin to see the, the colors afresh and anew. And then you look at it again and you start to notice these brush strokes that were there that you didn't really notice at first, but now they're coming off of the canvas. And then you look at it again. And as you're looking at this painting, you're beginning to become aware of some of the emotions and some of the hopes that are even welling up with inside of you as you're viewing this. And then you look at this again and you begin to discover and see the intent and the heart and the purpose of the one who painted the painting, right? And there's this connection that's being made in the process. Look forward to heaven. That's what Peter's saying. That's what the prophet Isaiah is writing. And so the best way to look forward to heaven is, is look at it as it's described in the Bible. Go there, right? Because there's so many references to heaven in the Bible. There's so many references. And so read about heaven and think about what it's saying. Read about what the scriptures say about heaven and meditate on it. Read again and imagine, right? Oh, what will that be like? You know, how close could, you know, because we have finite minds that we struggle to, you know, think about some of this stuff, but imagine a little bit. Read again and pray. Read again about heaven. Look forward to it. Recognize your own emotions, right? Your own hopes that are welling up within you, your own joy that the Holy Spirit is drawing without of you. Read about it. Look forward to heaven again. And you begin to discover the intent and the heart and the purpose of the one who will create it. He's creating it for you, right? This is what God's inviting us to do. Now, now to help you do that, is we've actually created a resource that we're just calling the Looking Forward to Heaven Looking Guide. <laughs> right, there you go. Uh, we're not great with uh, titles, okay? But um, So what it is, is it's a, passage, it's a list of all the passages that we could identify about the Bible talking about heaven, right? And the ones that we thought were just most pertinent uh, to our discussion today. And so you can use that guide to look forward to heaven. And so if you want to receive that guide, uh, just fill out your connection card, make sure we have your email address, check that on the back of it. it, says, I'd like to receive the looking forward to heaven looking guide, and we'll email that to you, you can get that online as well, uh, and we'll send that over to you. And, uh, and I think that will be helpful for you as you're thinking about looking forward to heaven. And, and some of you guys are, are pretty utilitarian, and you're asking the question, well, well what's going to happen in my life if I do begin looking forward to heaven? I think there's a couple things that begin to happen. Uh, one is this. I think looking forward to heaven actually begins to sustain you through the current challenges and suffering that you face in this world. I really do believe that. 
that looking forward to heaven actually helps you to navigate the suffering that we will face in this world. Uh, a professor of New Testament, Scott Haffeman, wrote this. I think it's really helpful. He says, so God prepares his people by giving them a foretaste of the glory to come. Right? This is looking forward to heaven and the Holy Spirit living within us. He gives us this foretaste of the glory to come in order that the suffering of this present age might be put in its proper perspective. And then he goes the other way. He says, and he gives them suffering so that the glory to come might be put into its proper perspective as well. This is not our home. This is what, this is what he's saying. Right? God is calling us to be with him. He's inviting us. He's drawing us to be with him. In fact, Scott's only saying the exact same thing that the Apostle Paul wrote in, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Right? He wrote this. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or or they're temporary, they don't last. But the things that are unseen are eternal. This, this is what God is calling us, right? And, and looking forward to heaven, it doesn't remove the pain. It doesn't negate it. It doesn't cancel it out. What it does is it puts it in its proper place. It's to say, this is momentary. This is not forever. That is, right? And I rely on God through what I face now. I also think looking forward to heaven gives meaning and purpose to your choices today into my choices. If you listen to the messages of our culture right now, the primary message is this, uh, only right now matters. Right now is all that matters, right? Why? Well, uh, because our culture has pushed forward a very compelling lie, and that lie is this, that we are all the unfortunate accidents of an uncaring and chaotic universe. And once this life is over, the lights just go out. And, and so increasingly, you have people buying into that, right? And so, guess what? Do you, do you see that if there is nothing after this life, that in fact nothing matters? Nothing now, nothing in the past, and nothing in the future carries any weight or any meaning. Because it doesn't matter. Because once you're done, you're done. It's over, right? And so that's why overwhelmingly we bought into only right now matters, because that's all you have, Okay? But even right now doesn't matter if there's nothing, right? And so Christianity says this, right now does matter, but only because eternity is real and only because God is real. And in fact, if there is no God and there is no eternity, then right now doesn't matter. Nothing matters. But since God does exist and eternity is something he's calling us to, right now does matter, but it's not the only thing that matters. So you begin to see that God created you, and God's created a new heavens and a new earth, so that means everything we do actually deeply matters. You know, the way that you work matters deeply, right? How you do your work, how you do your job at work. The way you uh, lead and operate at school matters 
deeply. The way you love your family, the way you forgive, the way you grant grace, the way, right, your conversations, your interactions, every hello, every moment actually carries this great overwhelming meaning because these can be open doors for the most pressing and the most urgent thing that every Christ follower has in front of them right now. What is the most pressing and urgent thing that every Christ follower has in front of them right now? Yeah, Front row always pays attention. They just do, you know. <laughs> also, I think we pay two of them. Uh, so <laughs> they're our pastors. Uh, so yeah, the most pressing thing we do is sharing the gospel. And so every hello matters. Every conversation makes a difference. Every act of kindness, every blessing, every prayer, everything we do matters deeply. Who you put your faith in. So it gives meaning and purpose. And I think also, looking forward to heaven, you'll, here's the last thing I think I would share It matters is this, is uh, you don't have to be afraid of death. Looking forward to heaven, I think, helps you not having to be afraid of death. Now, I don't think you have to go looking for it, right? Like I, you know, even Jesus said, well, I'm not jumping off the temple. Yes, I know the angels would catch me, but I'm not putting God to the test. That's crazy. Um, So I don't think we have to go looking for death, but I also know we don't have to be afraid of it. And I think the more we look forward to eternity, that actually helps. Because you begin to see that it was actually Christ's death that led to his resurrection. And that's the only reason any of us have hope for a healthy relationship with God today. And in fact, you don't have to fear death because it's through death that God grants you ultimate freedom. right? Ultimate blessing. right? His presence unfiltered. Absolutely incredible and remarkable. And so look forward to heaven. Do it. Like, yeah, don't, don't, don't avoid that. Don't press that. Look forward to heaven. And let, let that shape you now. Right? Let God shape you now by looking forward to eternity. Now, some of you might be going, okay, well, hey, um, that's, that's all fine, Fritz, uh, but I don't believe in heaven. So what do, you, what do you got for me, preacher man? Right? Because I don't buy any of that. Okay? Well, here's what I would say to you. Um, I, I can't make you believe. Uh, there is absolutely nothing we could have, countless conversations. Uh, there is nothing that I could say to you that would make me be able to convince you. I can't. I don't have that capability. Because only the Holy Spirit can lead you into that truth. Okay? But what I would say is this. If you have a desire to know truth, and if you have a desire to believe, then I would encourage you to do a couple of things. First thing I would encourage you to do is this. Ask God to show you truth. Just ask him. God, will you show me truth? The second thing I would do this is I, was, I would read the Bible because that's where God's revealed his truth. Okay? And let him lead you in it. And here's the last thing I would encourage you to do. Uh, talk to other Christians about what you're reading and ask them questions. Talk about it, right? This is what I, the Bible said. Is this true? Is this real? I'm struggling with this. I don't like this in the Bible. What do you do with that, right? That's okay. Conversations, questions, all of that. Completely okay. And I think if you do all of that, if you ask, if you read, and you talk with other believers, I think here's what's going to happen. You're going to find God. You're going to find God, and you're going to see how remarkable and amazing he is. And he's going to transform your life, and it's going to be amazing. Now, to the Christ followers here, what I would say to you is this, again, just look forward to heaven. Look forward to heaven. Do it. Like, get, get that guide and look, and then look again, and then look again, and look again, and let God's future. It's going to happen, by the way. It's going to happen. Let that future shape you for today. 
Let it shape your priorities. Let it shape your values. Let it shape your character. Let the Holy Spirit transform your life and create in you a new heart because that's what he does. That's his role. Now, I want to close by reading a section of Scripture for you. Uh, It's not going to be on the screen because I really just want you to listen to it for a moment. And it says this. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said behold i am making all things new also he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true and he said to me it is done I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the future that God is inviting us into. Look forward to that through faith in Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and ask this question very simply. It's just this. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen to him. Sometimes my focus gets really dialed into this world, overly so. And I get really concerned about all the things that I have to do and I have to accomplish and, and I've got to maneuver and be smart enough and, and, and all of that. And it's passages like these that remind me, God's got it. <laughs> I can trust him as my sole provider. So I don't, I don't know where you're at in all of that. You know, maybe you're, you're way ahead of me in that. And that's great. I would love to learn from you. Maybe you're right where I'm at. Maybe you're a little behind. I don't know. But this right here is one of the reasons why, as a church family, we, just, we love praying together. And so we want to pray for you. And so here's what's going to happen. 
we're, the band's going to come forward and they're going to sing one more song. And while the band's coming forward, we're also going to have uh, prayer leaders who are going to be available in each corner of the room. And so uh, you can go during this last song. Once it starts, we'll all stand up. And if you want to receive prayer about any area of your life, uh, you can just come forward and share your prayer request. And these leaders are going to be prepared to pray with you about anything, right? About anything at all. And by the way, you don't have to be like a member or regular attender at Lighthouse to receive prayer. You don't have to be like a certain age or anything. It's like you can be a college student. You can be retired. You can be you know, wherever, you know, uh, you got kids, you don't got kids, it doesn't matter. And, and please don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer because every one of us need prayer. Right? I need prayer. Uh, Pastor Matt needs prayer. I know Josh personally, he needs prayer, right? Like, <laughs> we're good friends. And so uh, you can pray about anything. So, so don't let like, well, what will people think if I go forward to pray? We probably won't even notice you going forward. We're going to be worshiping the Lord. And if we do notice, you'd be like, that person wants to pray. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? So I want to pray for you, and then if you'd like to receive prayer, uh, you can go to any one of the corners, and our prayer leaders will be ready and available to pray with you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.